It was very challenging because what I found was we were doing a really good job. There were there was a need for you know good cleaning companies in Tallahassee, and because it's she and I, we were we were in it and we we did it really well. Um, and so what happened was three years into it, we were my phone was ringing off the hook while we were at work, and I'm like, it's not fair to my employer to continue to try to build my business you know, and, and getting calls during the day, couldn't do it. So we sat down one evening and we actually added up the amount of buildings that we could clean ourselves to supplement my income as paralegal. So I could quit doing that and then put all of my effort right. into my business. I thought if I could do, if I could work as hard for my daytime job as I'm working for Myself. How much money could you make? Yeah. Wow. You know, right. so that's how it started. From Fiori Communications, it's How I Got Here, a show of inspiring stories from Tallahassee area leaders, business owners, and neighbors, all the challenges, opportunities, inspirations, the twists and turns of life that led them to where they are today. Everyone has a story worth telling, and I am really grateful that we get to bring a few of them to you. I truly have been changed by my conversations with these amazing people, and I'm confident you will be too. I'm Dave Fiore, and welcome to the special Chamber Conference edition of the How I Got Here podcast. My first guest is Christy Kreitlow. Christy is the CEO and founder of Quick and Clean Commercial Cleaning Services. The Fort Myers native is married to her husband, Walt, and they have two daughters, Caitlin and Lexi, as well as two dachshunds, Willow and Grace, which sounds like a TV show. Is that maybe? Okay. All right. So first, welcome, Christy. Thank you. And thanks for being here. Thank you. So you were born and raised in Fort Myers. I was. Right? So um, tell us about what family life was like for you, parents, siblings, kind of what were those early years like? Um, So I grew up in Fort Myers. I spent a lot of time on the beach. (laughs) Um, I have a younger brother and then my mom and dad. Both of my sets of grandparents lived in Fort Myers as well. So we had a really close family growing up. So you had family around? Mm -hmm. All the time. Okay. Um, And then um, what brought me to Tallahassee was um, I applied for FSU to go to school. And my dad happened to get a job offer up here at the exact same time. Um, So I was able to actually move with them up to Tallahassee and stay at home and um, go to school, and then I worked as a waitress in the evening just to make a little bit of money. Okay. Well, we're not going to let you get away with your early years quite that quickly. Oh, darn. So we're going to come back. Um, so, <laughs> No, no, that's fine. So uh, so as a, what, what kind of kid were you? What kind of student were you? Did you like school? Were you involved in things? Kind of oh. give us a snapshot of that. Um, I did very well in school. I was an A-B student. Um, I always wanted to never disappoint my father, and so I had to do really, really well, really well. Yeah. Okay. Um, so did you have any interest or activities or anything in school? The beach. The beach. That was it. That's, Just going that's to the beach. all that mattered in high school was the beach. Okay. And, and sometimes skipping school. So you went to the beach during school hours? I did. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sure there's a statute of limitations on that. You're probably fine. All right. So you graduated from Cypress Lake High School. I did. Right. And then you went to Edison Community College, right? And it was Named after Thomas Edison, because that was his winter home. Mm -hmm. I assume everybody knows that, but if you're from that area, I lived in that area for a while. So so did you have a career plan for after school? Did you know what you were going to do? 
I always was very interested in law enforcement and, and law work. Um, it's just something that interests me. So I, I decided at that time I was going to go to school and become a paralegal. Um, so I did that. I went through Edison, and then um, I went to the National Center for Paralegal Training and became a certified paralegal and spent 25, of, 25 years of my life as a paralegal. Okay. So just real, real quickly, what, describe what a paralegal does. What, do, what was your job? Um, mine, uh, my focus was civil litigation because I love that so much. It was a lot of organizing, um, getting the lawyers ready for trial. Um, and so that's my strong suit. It always has been. And it was always a challenge. And it was big cases. And so that's what I did. Okay. Um, so let's, let's switch gears a little bit now and talk about your husband, Walt. Okay. All right. When did you meet? How'd you meet? What's that story? So we met in 1994 and um, at a bar. Um, <laughs> and um, we lived... It wasn't in, online dating. It then, wasn't you know, online so dating, so... <laughs> identify your um, generation and... Apply it, right? Correct. And um, so we were playing pool, and um, he thought he could beat me, and he found out he did not. Um, nice. Go girls. <laughs> and, yeah. Are you uh, sure he wasn't letting you beat him? Oh, or? no, he didn't let me beat him. Yeah, okay. He All was right. definitely wanting to. Because that's a good date move. That's a strong. It, yeah, he, you know. he wanted to beat me, but okay. no, he was all talk that night, so it was funny. Um, since then, he's beat me many times, but. Not now, <laughs> or not then. Right. Um, but yeah, so we um, we met and we married two years later, um, and then um, we had our daughter Caitlin, who's in the front row with me, and um, our daughter Lexi, and we um, we stayed in Tallahassee for you know the following three or four years. We relocated up to Atlanta for just a couple of years, which is where I went to the National Center for Paralegal Training. And then when we, we decided Atlanta was not our thing, mm. uh, so we came back to Tallahassee, and I went back into the legal field and continued to raise our family and our girls, and we are big on family. Right. Great. So Walt's working in law enforcement at he this was. time, right? And you're yes. working as a paralegal. Correct. And he was also in the Army National Guard in the reserves. He was. Right? Yes. And served four deployments. Four. Four to Iraq and Afghanistan. Correct. All right. So uh, tell us about what happened after his fourth deployment. Okay. So um, the deployments back, you know, years ago were a lot longer than they are now. You know, the, they now they're a maximum of like nine months. Um, so he was gone about 18 months. So over an eight-year period, um, five of those years he was gone. I mean, he came back a little bit here and there, but, you know, five of those years he was, he was gone. Right. When he finally returned back um, from Afghanistan, he came back and uh, lo and behold, PTSD just jumped on him like... It does a lot of other veterans, um, but also he came back with a traumatic brain injury from, um, you know, a bomb exploding. And so um, he kind of just dove in and, and in depression and stayed there for a long, long time. 
so Caitlin and I um, got to work and we just started quick and clean out of a shed that we had in our in our side yard. Um, we started cleaning buildings at night um, to make extra money because Walt was just not in a good place. And so what do you do? You support them. You don't leave them. You support them. And so that's what we did. And it took about 10 years for him to kind of get back to a good place. Um, a lot of family and tough love and therapy and everything that you can imagine right. we went through. Right. So to kind of set the stage, you were, you're his primary caregiver. I am. You're still working as a paralegal and you're cleaning offices at night for a while. Yeah, seven years ago. That's, that was the that perfect was setting. Okay. Is, um, I did. I worked all day, you know, about probably 50 to 60 hours a week in, as a paralegal because we had big cases and they needed me to work that too. So after hours, Caitlin and I would pack up and go clean um, some buildings to make extra money because Walt was really not able to work. Um, and a lot of people didn't really know that. We just didn't share that side of our story right. for the longest time. But, um, you know, now that things are starting to kind of get better for him and he's not going through the embarrassment, which is that I don't know why he was embarrassed, but I guess, you know, the stigma with PTSD is a real thing. Sure. And um, so he kind of just yeah. buried himself for a while. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sorry you went through that and for him. And Thank you. I'm grateful for his service. Me too. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so at some point you decide, you decide that it's time to give up the paralegal and jump on the cleaning full time and make it your, your business and the thing you're going to invest yourself in. Yes. So what was that decision process like? It was very challenging because what I found was we were doing a really good job. There were, there was a need for, you know, good cleaning companies in Tallahassee. And because it's she and I, we were, we were in it and we, we did it really well. Um, and so what happened was three years into it, we were, my phone was ringing off the hook while we were at work. And I'm like, it's not fair to my employer to continue to try to build my business, you know, and, and getting calls during the day, couldn't do it. So we sat down one evening and we actually added up the amount of buildings that we could clean ourselves to supplement my income as paralegal. So I could quit doing that and then put all of my effort right. into my business. I thought if I could do, if I could work as hard for my daytime job as I'm working for myself. How much money could you make? Yeah. Wow. You right. know, so that's how it started. That's great. So you make that transition. And then when did you decide that um, as it started to take off that you wanted to start bringing on employees and kind of make it a bit more than just you and your daughter, but kind of a, a company company? So about um, probably a year and a half into it, we started hiring employees because it was just she and I, and we couldn't handle our, the, the amount of work we were getting. So I started with employees right away okay. um, and, and tried to manage that while also working during the day. So it became, right. it just became a lot. So in a cleaning business, and I know that you, I'm sure have a very high standard for when something is clean. Is that right? Yeah. So, <laughs> but for all of us who have children understand that the definition of clean can be a moving target. 
right? They're, di they're different ideas Very about what's clean so. or not. So how did you, what did you do as the, the leader to impress your standards on the people who were working for you? Um, our biggest um, attribute, I think, is that we do have, we've built a management structure. Um, it, that sounds so simple, but in reality, if you have someone who's checking the work and not just going in and grabbing the trash and, and leaving the building and hoping that the client is happy, um, that makes a big, big difference. And so that was one of the things that we strive to do. And we, it, we did that like right away. Um, so we have systems in place where we do monthly business building checks. Um, plus our supervisors are in the buildings all of the time. So we're constantly getting feedback from our clients um, rather than waiting for that complaint to come to the door, you know, somebody to call and say, oh my gosh, you missed this or you missed this. That's great. And we're coming to a close on your section for now, mm -hmm. but I just want to ask, did you know anything about running a business or how to set it up or pay people or anything? Not a single thing. I've had to learn as I go. How did you do that? How did you, I mean, um, what did you go, what did you do to equip yourself to run a business? The, the basics was get a good lawyer, um, get a good payroll company, get a good bookkeeping company, and a good CPA. If you have those, at least you have those resources to be able to help you learn as you grow. I'm still learning as we grow. Sure. Every day. Yeah. I think if you don't think like you're learning any, anything anymore, that's probably not a good sign. Not at no. all. <laughs> so if they say, if you're not growing, you're dying. So I don't want to right. just keep going up. All right. Well, great. Well, thank you, Christy, for sharing. And we're going to come back to you okay. in a minute. And now we're going to move on to my next guest is Marina Lixon. Marina is the Tallahassee Program Manager for the Jim Moran Institute for Global Entrepreneurship. Affectionately known as JMI That's to us. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and you're the former owner of Honey Tree Natural Foods with your husband, Bill. Um, you're the mother of two daughters who was born in Oakland, California to two Navy parents and eventually settled in New England with your mom and two siblings, right? Correct. So, Marina, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate your, your um, being part of this. So, from what I read, it sounds like your mom and her family provided quite the backdrop for your childhood. Yes, very much so. So yeah, uh, mom and dad, both Navy, and when they divorced, um, went with mom to New England, and she subsequently was married, um, again, to my stepdad, Air Force. So military all around, baby brother, uh, just retired from the Army, so it's everywhere. So, and I appreciate Walt's service as well. So yeah, mom was uh, one of 15, and um, biological dad, one of seven, stepdad, one of seven. So family up to here. Yeah. Was raised in a multi-generational home. Um, my Italian immigrant parents, um, my grandmother lived upstairs. My grandfather died when I was very young. So being raised in that multi-generational uh, Italian family with the aunts and the uncles and the cousins all around the neighborhood. So what was the best part of that? What did you enjoy most about that as a kid? Aside from the food or the, no, food. the food? The food is reason enough, yeah. but the, food. the smell of the sauce in the morning. And, That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, we'd go down the street to Aunt Rose's for the fresh pasta, and then there was the chicken lady 
who would give us fresh chickens and my uncle next door who had a big garden. It's good to so, have a chicken lady. Yeah. We, um, our last family reunion, and I, I will say that all 15 of my mother's, uh, my mom and her siblings are all deceased now, but the last reunion, uh, first cousins and second cousins, so it would be my generation and my children, uh, we had over 300 people. Wow. So it, it was right. never a dull moment. Right. And in that mix, you had some entrepreneurs, right? So you had some modeling there as Listen, a young person? all of the aunts and uncles, um, a majority of them were small business owners. Barbershops and tire shops and all of it. Anything you needed, there was a family member that had a small business. Right. So, yeah. So you saw a strong work ethic, right? Did that, how did that impact you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, that generation, we were talking about that earlier, uh, given the uh, keynote today, who was fabulous. Um, that generation, um, learning um, what was right and wrong from my immigrant grandmother uh, to my hardworking aunts and uncles. I mean, it just, it was what you did. It was ingrained in my DNA. So, yeah. yeah. My first job was 15. I was 15. Yeah, at a photo kiosk yes. thing, right? The Snapshack. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> The Snapshack. It was uh, a little kiosk at the brand new mall that had just opened up literally down the street from my house. So I could ride my bike. Uh, and the um, small business owner, entrepreneur, Al, who owned it, uh, said, you're 15. Yeah, you can work. Mom and dad say it's okay. And I worked there all the way um, to my, my days at community college. So high school, all the way. So can I ask you what's the weirdest photo you ever saw? Listen, I probably can't even say back then. <laughs> you know, it was different then. Everything you know? went back then. Is yeah, just like, people yeah. would drop their ro rolls of film. I just came back from my honeymoon. And you'd be like, oh, oh no. these are going to be good, no. you know. Uh, <laughs> no. So, or new babies were always yeah. wonderful. Or, you know, maybe the cute boy that lived down the street, you know. So you didn't make yeah. any extra prints and stash them? Definitely the not. Do, anything, right? Never did that. Okay. But certainly check to make sure that they were all printed correctly. Sure, that's, that's sure. your job. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to do that. Uh -huh. Right. All right. So uh, you said in your bio that you sent me that you did what was expected of a young Italian girl. And yeah. what was that? Got married, had babies, young, way too young. Uh, so, yeah, that was what was expected. You had two choices uh, for a career way back then. And from the family uh, that I grew up with, you could, be a you could be a nurse or you could be a teacher if you were the girls. You know, boys, it was unlimited. But I literally was raised in that. You're either going to be this or that. And none of that worked for me. So, right. Yeah. Okay. So um, later on, we're skipping ahead a little bit. You were working in the defense industry in Connecticut. Yep, right? absolutely. Um, at a time when President Clinton cut the defense budget. At yeah. the same time, you were going through a divorce. Yep, so, so not a great there. period yep. there. Lots of, um, lots of big periods there. Yeah, so the defense budget was cut. Uh, my ex-husband uh, at the time lost his job. I lost my job. So there we were, you know, two kids, two little kids, uh, Connecticut, and it was time for a change. And so Florida was my goal, my intention. Tallahassee sort of happened. Uh, and I remember the last day in Connecticut, there was an article in the newspaper that I read every day. If you could tell President Clinton just one thing, what would you tell him? And of course, you know, I was pissed and I was a single working woman at that point and, you know, healthcare benefits were atrocious and on and on and on. So I tore just a piece of 
yellow legal paper and I wrote a note and shoved it in an envelope and sent it. And never thought anything of it. Moved, moved to Florida, um, you know, um, looked for just a little part-time job. And I, I will also say that um, all of my mom's uh, uh, sisters, six, all died of some sort of cancer breast cancer, ovarian cancer, my grandmother as well. And so I made a choice when my girls were young that I wasn't, I wasn't going out that way. Um, so just made healthier choices. And uh, so fast forward to Tallahassee and uh, got a job uh, at a health food store. Okay. And I will say, Dave, that got settled in Tallahassee and the phone rang, because uh, it was on the wall back then. Right, like right. we talked about, right. on yeah. the phone. Um, and I answered the phone, and this woman said, hi, this is you know, so-and-so from the White House. And I was like, yeah. So that happened three or four times when I hung up on the White House. <laughs> and then finally she called and said, don't hang up on me. I just, uh, we got your letter. We want to know if you would like to come to the White House and tell President Clinton to his face kind of what you said in this you know, torn piece of yellow legal paper. And so fast forward, uh, the Clinton administration was uh, with the Department of Labor. Um, and I think the Secretary of Labor at the time was uh, Robert Reich. Uh, they were doing a working women count um, initiative. And so I was part of that initiative and got to go to the White House and sat next to Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. And of course, this was right as all the Lewinsky stuff was blowing up. So I will say being in the White House during that time was quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because sure. you could tell something was happening and it was literally the next week that all of that blew up. So in, in any case, that was an honor and uh, very stressful, Christy, and you were not there to hold my hand. Um, but it was, it was fascinating. So I, I really, I got to uh, tell him exactly what I thought of what was going on as a working woman and got to be introduced by Hillary Clinton and introduce Bill Clinton. So wow. it, was, it was fun. It was cool. Yeah, that's very cool. All right. So tell us about how you got connected to Honey Tree in the first place. Yeah, so I got a job there. You know, I uh, needed to do something and, you know, it was in my wheelhouse with, you know, how I lived my life and how I was raising my girls. And uh, the uh, previous owner, um, well, and now I met Bill at the juice bar of the Honey Tree. And then the owner said, I'd like to sell the store. And so fast forward, Bill and I bought the existing business um, and then grew it to three stores. Uh, we had uh, two counties. We had one in Gadsden County um, and two in Leon County in Tallahassee. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So um, for those who may not remember, just real quickly, what, what, tell us what the Honey Tree was all about. Yeah, it was a natural uh, health food store, right? Way before Amazon, way before Whole Foods, way before, you know, Greenwise. Uh, it was us and New Leaf, uh, quite frankly. And um, we were um, good partners together. You know, they were bigger and we were smaller. Um, so we, we had a great working relationship and we were on two different sides of town. Right. Okay. Yeah. And uh, in 2012, you went through JMI's Small Business Executive Program. With you, With me. Dave. We were class two. We classmates. were class two. Woo-woo. Yeah. We didn't 
We don't do like LT. We didn't have symbols yeah, and stuff. We need stuff. to. I'm going to work on that. But, I'm going to work right. on some sort of a symbol. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I went through the Jim Rand Institute. I was lucky enough to hear about it and to somebody to say you should apply, and I did. And right. uh, got in, and the very first day, I remember. I think, I think it was Tatum, but I, I, I don't really remember. Right. Talked about exit strategy, and I was like, jeez. I don't have an exit strategy. I just got into this, you know, several years ago. How, why do I have to worry about getting out? Uh, and then, you know, fast forward a few years later, um, my husband and I were in Chicago. My baby brother was becoming a, a brigadier general, and we were there for the change of command ceremony. And my husband said, I have a sore throat. And I'm like, you're going to be fine. We got shit to do. You're going to be fine. <laughs> and sure enough, the next morning, he woke up with a huge um, neck, and he was in the uh, ICU for four days while I ran to the ceremony and came back. And um, by the time we got home, he was um, diagnosed with stage four throat cancer. Mm -hmm. So that was the first thing that happened. And then Amazon at that time bought Whole Foods and changed the whole discount structure of the natural foods industry. And so as a mom and pop, you know, when you look at your strategic plan, I was like, I am working way too hard for not a lot. Right, right. And so, and then the third thing was um, my uh, last store was in uh, Market Square, and Market Square was sold. I think y'all remember that. Uh, of course, it's still almost not open all these years later. But the owners were a big conglomerate out of Texas that were not so excited to have all of us small businesses. And they were not, you know, they weren't horrible, but they weren't encouraging and supportive. Right. Okay, so you ended up closing the store. So I ended up right. closing the store, which was a great decision right. for <clears throat> us and me. Yeah. Right. And then you ended up back at JMI. I where did. you are now as a program manager. So I did. I, there was a job in the paper, uh, or in the paper. There was a job available that shows my... Right. I, <laughs> and... Um, I applied for the job and got a call from Melissa and she said, there's another job that we think that you'd be better suited for. And so here I am in that role. Um, Mike, my predecessor, did a great job in setting me up, the program up to be successful. Um, and so I've subsequently met wonderful people like Christy because of that. And just in real quick nutshell, what is it that, what are you in charge of? What services sure. do you yeah. provide? Thanks, Dave. Great question. So a program manager, so in charge of the small business executive program, the nonprofit executive program, uh, and all the peer-to-peer -peer groups. Um, so, and we're all over the state, uh, not just in Tallahassee. We're in, here in Jacksonville, uh, Tampa, Orlando, uh, Palm Beach. So we are across the state. Hey, everybody. Just a quick reminder that this episode is brought to you by Fiore Communications. Just like people, Every business has a story to tell, and we've been helping our clients tell their story since 2001, because who you are as a company is just as important as what you do. To learn more about how telling your story can make a difference in your business, visit FioriCommunications.com. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. So what do you enjoy most about working with entrepreneurs, being a, an entrepreneur yourself and seeing all these young, well, young in their business, right. eager and ready to start something. What's your favorite part about that process? I just love seeing the sparkle in their eye. 
I also love um, when we have an event where I'm able to connect them um, to um, a business that's a little bit more advanced than they are. Um, everyone here has been extremely wonderful with, and generous with their knowledge, uh, especially in peer groups. It's really wonderful to see small businesses lean into each other and lean on each other um, because so for me anyway, and I think probably the same for you, you feel like you're all alone, you're on an island. You know, how am I gonna meet payroll? This person, I wanna fire them, but I can't, or I really would love this to happen. And so, just there's so much, so much. Right, great. Yeah. All right, I wanna pivot a little bit and come back to Christy for a second, since I still have a little more time. And then we're gonna get into some questions that are kind of overall back and forth, but. Um, just wanted to get back with, with your job and the people you work with and sort of the same similar question is, what is really your favorite part of the job? When, when you see, you know, working, when you're helping businesses or organizations have a better place to work, I imagine that's satisfying. And just want to know where the relationships is kind of what is your favorite part of the job you do now? Um, I think the most rewarding is going into a business and knowing that our name stands for something that's good. Um, there are, you know, we always get lots of requests for, for cleaning bids and we'll go in to, you know, to a building and they're like, oh, we just want, you know, cleaning once every other week or once a month um, and stuff. And, and I don't want to say stuff like that, but when we go in, we want to make sure that the job that we're bidding on, um, we can still look like we're taking pride in our work. So if it's, you know, like, for example, your office where it's um, not as busy as something like the lottery building or... It's just busy up here. Right. No, I mean traffic-wise. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's making sure that we can provide the manpower to clean the building the way it should be cleaned rather than um, it be so focused on budget. Um, and I know everyone is really concerned about that, but but I have it's my job to make you look good and it's my job to make us look good. And so that's the biggest thing for me is going in and making sure that we can, when people walk in the bathroom, they're like, okay, who cleans here? Rather than, ooh, who's cleaning here? <laughs> So I'll ask a similar question to the photo kiosk. Now, this is for you, Christy. Oh. Are there any nightmare stories that you can share anonymously? Um, there's got to be something nasty you came across uh, there's, at some point. There's a, there's a lot. Um, yeah, people don't... Are Tallahassee businesses a little yeah. less than we might imagine at times? Yeah, Cleanly. people don't sometimes just have no regard for their workplace at, at all and just they mess it up really bad <laughs> i'm, yes, I'm trying because i'm like <laughs> i am not pleased with that answer at all I, yeah it's, i was really looking for something we um i mean there are times where we'll get called during the day because it's that bad like they can't even make it to the end of the day right yeah that and, doesn't sound good no and so, you know, and we've had a repeat offender in a couple of places where I'm like, can you get them like a leather chair so they stop going like on their 
on the cushion. So okay, that's more what yep. I was looking for. <laughs> that's that's what we're after. All right, thank and you. So, Enough said on that. Picture. All right, good. So, um, and I'll ask this of both of you. This is how I finish all my podcasts. Is we've talked about how you got to this point in your life. Mm -hmm. So, where do you think here might be for you in three to five years from now? I want to grow. Um, so we are looking at expanding here in Tallahassee. We're starting to do some um, outside the city in Wakulla and Thomasville, Georgia, and um, gosh, I'm blanking on some of Panama City, um, Linwood, um, just kind of spreading out okay. in North Florida. Yeah. Um, slow and steady, but we're going to do it. Great. All right, Rena, same question for you. Three to five years from now. Yeah, I see myself right where I am now. Um, I see um, some changes coming up for uh, JMI in the uh, fall, um, and hopefully that'll afford us an opportunity to, to expand um, who we work with. Um, right now, the criteria for the two programs is three years in business and at least three employees. So um, perhaps we'll open that up a little bit more um, in terms of number of years in business and uh, there's a lot of solopreneurs out there that, that need some help and guidance. And um, I will say that um, Mr. Moran, Mrs. Moran, and Moran Foundation has been so generous uh, with their donation to FSU that it affords us to um, hold and have these uh, programs at no cost to the small businesses and to the nonprofits. And so that just makes my heart happy. Um, and I hope that every single small business has an opportunity to come through the program and or participate in a peer group because it's great and it's at no cost. I just, it's my, it's mind blowing the opportunity that we have here. Yeah, it's amazing. And I will say just personally, my experience and interaction with the chamber and JMI extremely influential on the growth of my business and helped somebody the same thing who didn't know anything about doing any of this stuff. Just the combination of those two resources have been amazing in my career. Too. Yeah, that's so wonderful yeah. to, to hear. And we hear that yeah. all the time, yeah. which is just who, who wouldn't want to be here doing exactly that in five right. years. Okay. We're going to shift. Thank you. We're going to shift gears a little bit now to ask a couple of kind of panel kind of discussion questions. And if we have time, we can even take a question or two from the group if you have anything else you want to know. So first question, and Marina, since you have the mic, you okay. can answer first. So based on your experience, both as an entrepreneur and working with them now, um, what do you wish every person knew when they started a business? Oh, that's such a hard question. Sorry. Um, and I think the answer for me would be that it's hard, that it's not easy. Um, if your business is widgets, um, you need to know everything you need to know about widgets and everything else. You need to know about employees. You need to know about HR. You need to know about finance. You need to know about exit strategy uh, at the onset. Uh, and I think Christy mentioned earlier, have a great CPA, have a good uh, accountant, uh, a good HR attorney, like have all of those resources in place. Um, so that's right. my answer. That's great. Yep. Christy, what about you? Well, I'm going to piggyback on that a little bit. It really doesn't matter how small or big your your business is. I mean, you can have five people and still need to have those those things in line. Um, you've got to have those resources, and and I'm glad that I have done that. Um, and it's it's just a learning thing, you know. Building a business is not easy. You've got to get in there, and you've got to wear a lot of different hats. You know, we. 
we cleaned the buildings, I managed the buildings, we ran the operations. You know, it's there's so many things as a business owner that you have to do, as especially when it's your to be successful. To be yeah. successful. yeah. Okay. So you come from you come to entrepreneurship from very different places. One out of seems like was kind of bred into you and and you know started from the beginning. And Christy, you were kind of thrust into it, mm -hmm. um, out of necessity. So what do you think every successful person in business has in common? Drive. I think um, that's the biggest thing. Is is if you are not driven. If you're not focused, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a mission, you're not gonna do well. So it's, and it's pulling from all your different resources. It's not just trying every single thing that you need to accomplish all by yourself. It's reaching out to those people in, that are friends, that are family, and saying, hey, like, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about this? Don't try to be the only person providing solutions for your company. Right. I think that uh, the idea that you have to be super passionate about what you do, like mm -hmm. this is your dream life mission, I, I don't think it, it's the passion to be successful and the drive to do whatever it takes in whatever you choose. It doesn't have to be something you were born to do. As long as you put in the effort and decide I'm gonna do this, I agree. there's great satisfaction in accomplishing that, right? Very much so. All right. Marina, what do you think? What, what does everybody have in common who's been successful? I think mistakes, quite frankly. I think that's how you learn and grow. Um, you, you say, oh, this is going to be perfect. And then you go, oh, my gosh, that was not right. You know, and you pivot and you continue on. Uh, and I also think if COVID taught us anything, it's how to pivot, how to pivot quickly uh, and try something else, throw something else at the wall and see, and see what sticks. Great. So... Christy, how important is it for you, has it been for you in moving forward to have a person or a group of people that you can trust, bounce ideas off of, get input from as you make your business decisions moving forward? You know, if you would have asked me that a couple years ago, my answer would have been different. But now that I am where I'm at, we're seven years in, um, the community is huge. Um, your friendships, your relationships that you form, your business relationships. There's a lot of people in this room that are my friends that I thought I've also leaned on tremendously for business advice, um, for answers to questions that I had no idea where to even turn. Um, and then even like Marina said, the peer-to-peer -peer groups, I'm, I'm going to boast on Jim Moran for a minute, but um, I really, really um, wanted to be part of a peer-to-peer -peer group just to be able to have those resources and bounce ideas off of. Um, everybody has problems in their business. And so if other people can give you solutions or, or hey, I've, I've experienced that. Just know that. you're not alone in that, right? Absolutely. Or, or it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. That's a great way to solve that issue or, or you know, that might not work right now, but in three years it might work beautifully. So it's, it's important to have those confidences that you, that you have. Yeah, right. Marina, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's imperative to find your mentors, right? And they might not be uh, in the same industry as you. Um, I can remember um, 
coming up on, okay, what do I do? Do we close the business? You know, I really was focused on, you know, making sure my husband was healthy and well. And by the way, seven years out, cancer-free. So I just, yeah. I got to make sure I say that. That's great, yeah. Um, and so um, I remember seeking out um, a very successful restaurant tour here in, well, in Tallahassee. And um, I just need some, needed some big girl mentoring. And I called her and only knew her peripherally and said, hey, can I just come and have coffee? I have some questions. And her advice was so sage. And again, her experience was way different than mine. Uh, and so finding your mentors. Right. Okay. All right. Um, is there anything that you're particularly like really looking forward to? As you, I know we talked about where you think you're going to be, but is there anything like immediate that a project you're excited about or something that you just can't wait to get going on? I'm ready to expand in Panama City. That's my next, mm -hmm. my next goal. And so that is very exciting to me because I like challenges. Um, and so, that, I mean, obviously, since I've built this business, um, I'm a go-getter. So I'm going to go and and tackle Panama City next and, and see what else we can do, you know, in North Florida. Okay, great. Awesome. Yeah, so um, again, big changes coming uh, to, to JMI in the fall and looking forward to whatever changes uh, that brings uh, to us. And it may not bring anything, but we're, we're ready and open for, uh, for any change. So, yeah, looking great. forward to it. All right. Well, thank you both very much. Thank so you, we Dave. do have we do yeah we do have a little extra time. So does anybody have any questions that they would like to ask, Marina or Christy? All right, I'm going to repeat the question so we can get it. So when you're looking for new employees, how do you source that? How do you find good team members? So mine is different because 90% of our staff is part time. Um, so we place ads on Indeed. Uh, we do Facebook. We do word of mouth. Um, we even advertise on Craigslist sometimes. It just kind of depends what area that we're looking for, but that's that's our primary source. And I don't really obviously have employees, um, but I will say that um, the Chambers uh, website has great um, help there. Uh, we've got OEV, uh, Office of Economic uh, Vitality, and Career Source Capital Region. I will tell you that their services are for free. So if you are a small independent business and are looking for employees, don't forget those local resources um, because they're, they're spectacular. Yeah, let me repeat it. So how, much, how do you divide when you have uh, the council of advisors and you take in what they have to say? How do you balance that with your own what you know in your drive and your information, how do you, how do you work both of those together? Um, so for me, I don't have to use those resources um, probably less than 10% of the year each year. Um, I go in and, and I'm the CEO, and so I make all the decisions um, at the end of the day, and so I just try to... Um, work through some of the, the questions and, and make the best decisions I can for my company. And, and sometimes I make mistakes and you just pick yourself up, dust yourself off and keep going the next day. And so I feel like I have to be that leader for them. 
Yeah, I totally agree with, with what you said. And I'm old school, so I would do, you know, piece of paper, pros and cons. This is what they said. This works. This, in theory, you know, will it work for me and my business? Um, and also, you know, at the Jim Rand Institute, we use the business model canvas. Um, and so that little piece of paper and your concept, putting it down and seeing, am I going to be able to make money on that concept uh, before you make a big, big move is, is always very helpful. So... I've got a question. Um, we, one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to both of you together is it always helps if there's some common bond between the people. And I didn't realize that you were friends when I did this, so that, that helps. But the idea that you're both women entrepreneurs and you both took a chance and, you know, as women, you did that. Now, I, I, I'm so used to working in with people who all, you know, women, men, I don't really think about that being a woman, a woman entrepreneur is, is a thing that needs to be set aside or treated differently or thought of differently these days. But is it, is it, do you have a different experience? Is anything harder because of that from your, you know, you've been doing it for a while now. Has anything changed over that? Is that still a discussion or not? Well, oh, since I have the mic, I'll go first, if that's okay with you. I think for me, being an owner, a co-owner with my husband, it was challenging, right? Because I was 51%. We were a minority-owned, um, women-owned business. Uh, and people, we, we'd be in front of our CPA, and they would be like, so Bill, what do you think? You know? And he would be like, well, Marina, what do you think? You know? So <laughs> right. it, it, it really... Um, I think it's a little bit different now. I think the mindset has shifted a little, at least uh, within the businesses that uh, JMI is servicing right now. Uh, this cohort that just started last week, uh, out of 20 um, in the cohort, there's one man. So all of these small business owners are women. Uh, and I may or may not have the statistic right. Please don't kill me. But um, women veterans um, because uh, we have a veterans program, too, in our national program that uh, Melissa, our uh, director, runs that program. Um, and I think it's like 72% of uh, women veterans are starting their own business. So, yeah, it's awesome. So things are changing. Yeah. Um, for me, it is, um, I, don't, I don't give any thought to whether I'm competing against a man or a woman at, at all. It's about me and the service that we can provide, period. Getting loans, talking business plan, nothing about that was... I have not had a single issue. I, you know, I just... I wouldn't think so, I but just, it's... It's one of those things where I, yeah, I feel like, yeah. you know, you represent yourself in the way that you speak and the way that you present yourself. And so I don't think it matters to a lot of people whether yeah. you're woman-owned or man-owned or... Well, that's good. I, that's just, or minority owned. I don't think any of that really yeah. matters. It's mm -hmm. it's who you are as a person. Well, that's good. That's that's what I would assume. Yeah. But yeah, just wanted to ask. All right, any other questions? Yes. Good question. So are there advantages to being a woman in minority owned business, doing business in Tallahassee? So if you are trying to um, apply for you know, Leon County or the city or even some type of government, um, there is definitely a benefit to being woman-owned, no doubt about it. Um, they do set aside for specific woman-owned businesses. Um, I have not really dove in too much to the government side of cleaning. We could, but we just haven't. There's a lot of, a lot of work to be done in there. 
And so it's They have easier. leather chairs in the government, so that, <laughs> that helps. I hope so. Um, but for me, it's just, it's just a lot easier for me to just go out here locally and, and try to get business that way. So I hope, I hope you do really well. Congratulations on starting your own business. Yes, congratulations. We, we love it. Um, there is a great advantage to being a certified minority-owned business. And so, and actually, uh, OEV is putting on a, a certification, sort of a boot camp, if you will, coming up in the next couple of weeks. So I encourage you to check it out. But I will also say that that's step one, right? Because you are a certified minority-owned, women-owned business, it doesn't mean that the state is going to say, hey, Susie, I, you know, here's, here's a million-dollar contract. doesn't work like that. That sets you up to begin the process of seeking out that, that job or those jobs. So uh, congratulations. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Marina. Thank you, Christy. Thank you. And thank so you all much, for being Dave. part of this. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for listening to the show. You can subscribe at Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. It really does make a difference. Thanks to my amazing staff at Fiori Communications who pick up the slack while I'm working on these podcasts, and to Troy Bloom for composing our theme music. You can hear more of Troy's creations on Facebook and Instagram at Troy Bloom Music. To connect with the podcast or suggest a future guest, follow us on social media or email us at podcast at fioricommunications.com.